Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Every week, it's our goal to share financial information that helps you in both your life and financial vineyard. We hope it takes you from your roots to the journey of your vines and the influences in the air that help craft your delicious life. Like wine, life and finances have different palettes that should be celebrated and not judged. Welcome to this edition of Wine and Dine with Amy Irvine and Becky Eason. Good morning, Becky, as we record. Good morning. Great to have you back again. We are going to, so we're recording in June of 2022 and we are talking all things retirement for this month. So great topic to be talking about in a crazy market like we've been experiencing so far this year. But before we get there, um, last week when I recorded with Kate, I mentioned to her that I made a visit next door to the Quincy Exchange. So, you know, my whole journey down one door um, to the Finger Lakes (laughs) to taste a few wines. And they have a, um, the winemaker and the owner, they have their own brand called The Element. And the wine is actually bottled and made out of Arcport. The grapes come from various locations in the Finger Lakes and suppliers throughout the Finger Lakes. But he bottles it and makes it actually in Arcport, New York. Um, anyway, the, the brand is called Element and there was a flight of four different wines that we could taste from. They just gave it to us. We couldn't pick the wines. They, they picked the ones that they wanted to share with us. And the second one that they shared with us was a Chardonnay. Now I love buttery, rich, creamy Chardonnays. Uh, this was not quite that, but it was still very refreshing. So great summer wine. Um, it had kind of a, I would say a pear flavor to it. Um, very dry. So, you know, you have to like that, which I love, as you know, so you have to like that. It, it paired extremely well. They gave us some little shrimp cocktails, but it had like a seasoning on it. When I first took a sip of the wine, I thought, okay, this is good. Then when I took a second sip after eating one of the shrimp, the spice and that just popped. So if you're a Chardonnay drinker, um, that is a great summer wine, in my opinion. I'll put some links in the show notes. I love that it's local. I love that it's both local to you guys in Hornell, as well as local to us in Corning that's right next door. And for anybody listening, uh, you can also order it and have it shipped to you, but they do not have a specific place that you can go. You have to go to Quincy Exchange to actually get the wine. So that can be added to your map, as you want to say, <laughs> of places to explore when you come to the Finger Lakes. So um, just wanted to share that with everybody that that is an amazing place, in my opinion, an amazing place to come visit. And there's so many, they actually have one of the flights was actually a Finger Lakes flight. I just thought that was pretty cool. So you can go to this one place, get a variety of different wines, 
um, taste, you know, different things that you want to, and you can snack on some really good homemade foods right there too. So I thought it was, was a wonderful adventure and I'll, I'll share the remaining ones that I tasted throughout the rest of this month. So people can learn more about, uh, that wine and, uh, and that journey to, um, to the whole, you know, what is it? 25 feet next door. <laughs> it's actually on the other side of our one wall. So, you know, I'm, I'm tempted to drill a hole at some point in time. <laughs> Anyway, so all things wine talked about this morning. Uh, you have anything fun planned for the weekend or for the week coming up? Just summer fun. Summer fun, camping, that kind yeah, of stuff. Camping, yard work, just enjoying oh, life. Sure. Yard work's fun. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Your definition of fun, my definition of fun, a little bit different, but that's cool. That's what we always say. It, life is about different palettes that should be celebrated and not judged. Speaking of not being judged, uh, we were talking earlier about what we wanted to share on this particular podcast today. And one of the things that often crops up when you're first out of school is you're told a lot of different things. Do this, do this, do this, do that, right? And it, it almost can be overload to a point of do nothing. Like I have so much stuff being thrown at me that I'm overloaded with what being told what to do. So we call them competing priorities. Um, but if you do get overloaded by that, it, it's, it's challenging to catch up from, from this time. So I thought it would be good, uh, if we could dive into that topic since you brought it up. And, and I think, you know, you're experiencing that, right? You're experiencing all those competing priorities. I think the rest of us are too, but it's different when you first come out of college and graduation just happened for a lot of people last month. They're starting their first job. They're being thrown all these benefit packages. Um, they're being told they have to start repaying their student loans at some point in time. Uh, they're being told they should um, put money aside. They should get an apartment. They should buy a car. Like, oh, it's, I could just see it's, it's that image of like all these things flying out of my head. So let's dig into that topic just a little bit, Becky. What are your thoughts and what have you seen uh, has happened when it when it comes to that particular aspect of, of just graduating college and having all these competing goals. Yeah. The point that you made about it being like paralyzing right, to the point of just doing nothing. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, seen that happen many times. Um, but, you know, just remember to start small and just do what you can and build from there. Good point. So one of the things that I often tell, and I think you have as well, I've heard you say that, um, growing up, you know, our parents have acquired a certain amount of lifestyle, I'll say. They didn't start out that way necessarily. So we have to remember we can have it all. We just can't have it all right now. So taking, it's, I don't like to compare finances to like weight loss and stuff like that, but I think it is, there is some parallels to it. Um, as you know, Becky, I was on a journey to get healthy and lose some weight last year. And when I first sat down and said, you know, I want to try to lose 30 pounds, that number seemed daunting to me. How am I going to lose 30 pounds? So I had to set like micro goals and I had to set goals around things I could control because sometimes like weight, money is it's going to fluctuate a little bit. And I can't always control that, but I can control the actions that will lead to my money growing or lead to my weight loss, right? So I knew I had to cut some things out. 
I knew that instead of having a glass of wine every night, my first step was to go every other night. And the same thing is true with money and spending. If there's something that you love, don't cut it out, just maybe cut back, right? So like you said, you know, having baby steps, I think is really important when we're on that journey. Do you have any suggestions around some baby steps people can take to, to make it seem like, okay, I got this under control? Yeah. So I would start by once you know what your take-home pay is going to be, then look at all of your fixed expenses. Like you know what your student loan payment's going to be. You know what your car payment is, your rent or mortgage. Um, look at all of those expenses that you know for certain. And then estimate how much you're going to spend on essentials like groceries. And keep working your way through that. And if your employer offers like a 401k, then know what the match is. And at least get started with contributing up to the match. And then once you know where your cash flow comes in, you can always increase that. But at least it's a starting point and it gets you started on a good path. So sitting down with plain old piece of paper, spreadsheet, whatever it might be, list out all of your known expenses, things that you have limited control over, and then decide is what I think I heard you say, how much you're going to spend on other expenses. And then you mentioned saving up to the match. If there's wiggle room, what would you do after that? Then I would sit down and really look at what your goals are. You know, what are your short-term goals? Maybe it's to buy a house or start saving for that. Or maybe you need a new car. Um, a lot of times coming out of college, your car may not be real reliable. So you may need that. Um, just look at other goals. If travel is a huge priority for you, you want to do that while you're young. How, like, how can you accomplish that and also mm. save for retirement and you know, pay your other bills. And I know when we talk about saving for retirement, I think a lot of people default to like the 401k plan, which is a great way to save for retirement. Don't get me wrong. But we also should be talking about the diversification of saving for retirement. So when somebody is 23, 22, 23, 24 years old, they've sat down, they've set their priorities, they've taken those small steps to you know, achieve some of the, the goals that they want to. If they have excess money, is there you know, saving up to whatever the match is? That's great. But then what? Like what would be a good next step that they might want to save in? Or might what might be a way for them to save that could accommodate their competing goals, maybe? <laughs> yeah. Um, a brokerage account could be a great option. Um, you know, that account can be really used for whatever you want. So it could be used to fund your like short-term or long-term goals. But then say you don't need the money, then you've got yourself a nice bucket for retirement outside of your 401k. Mm -hmm. And even maybe a Roth IRA. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when you're young and you're in your lowest income years, that's a great time to start with a Roth. So if, if I'm, you know, again, 23, 24 years old and I'm saving in the 401k up to my match and I'm saving in a Roth IRA and then I'm also saving in a brokerage account, now I've got three sources that I can actually say are saving for retirement. The, the average, you know, and I don't like using averages as far as like, you know, saying this is how much most people need to save, but it does give us guidelines. 
typically the younger you are when you first start saving, the less you actually need to save. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah. Because the goal by the time you're 30, the goal would be to have saved 1% or one times, excuse me, your annual salary. So by the time you're 30 years old, if you're making $100,000, the goal would be to save $100,000. Well, if you're 23 years old and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I have to save $100,000. How am I going to do that in seven years? And I'm going to do all these other things. So let's kind of break that down. Let's just say it is seven years. So that's around $14,000 a year. It's quite a bit of money. On a monthly basis, that equates to about $1,100, almost $1,200 a month. On a per payroll basis, um, if you looked at that, so if you're saying $1,100 or $1,200 a month on a per payroll basis, that's about $600 a month. So tuck that number away, about $600 a month. If you're making $100,000 on a biweekly basis, that's about $3,800. So if you take 600 and divide it by 38, that's about 15%. So 15%, now 15% is collective. So if you're getting an employer match, that's part of the 15%. So if you're putting away five and your employer is giving you three, you're already at eight. So now you need to come up with the remainder 7%. And that's where we would recommend the Roth and the broker. And ideally split that because that's where in the long run, we'd love to be able to see that third, a third, a third bucket. So a third in pre-tax, a third in tax-free, and a third in brokerage. So just some food for thought on that topic. What are some of your other thoughts about competing priorities and savings and building for an emergency fund and paying down debt? Oh, it feels like so overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Um but you know, start with your lowest balance and see if you can. So take all of your debt and you know organize it in order of what is your lowest balance, and see if you can get that paid off first and start snowballing with that cash flow. So then, once that lowest debt is paid off, then you start on the next lowest balance mm-hmm. and you apply both of those payments to that one next balance, and then over time you're going to be paying off your debt quicker because you're not used to that cash flow. So you're not feeling it, but you're still getting out of debt at a quicker pace than if you were to pay off, say, your car loan, and then you have an extra $150 a month. So if you don't get used to spending it, then you can keep paying down debt. And then eventually you can put that into retirement once all of your Mm -hmm. debt is paid. Mm -hmm. That's a great way. Um, There's also something called the avalanche. I'm a bigger fan of Snowball because even though avalanche often will save you more money, more people stick to the snowball plan than they do the avalanche plan because they see progress. Yep. There's something rewarding about seeing those balances go down. Mm -hmm. What if you have credit card debt? I'm going to use credit card debt as an example. And, you know, we're, and I'm so guilty of this. I want my points. And I actually play the game of where am I going to maximize my points based on what I what goals I have for the year. So in a year that I have travel as a priority, guess where most of my charges go on my card that gives me the travel points. If I don't have a ton of travel in the year, then I might do it on a cash back card. So I actually, you know, from year to year, I will modify where I spend on what card. Um, but what if I have multiple balances 
and I'm trying to do the same thing and I'm trying to get those credit cards paid down. Do you have any strategies about how do I still use the credit card or a credit card so that I get points, but then pay down the the debt that's on, you know, the old debt that's on a credit card? There's a couple different options for that. Um, one is to take one card and only use that card and keep paying down the balance on the other cards so that, you know, over time you're paying less interest because that balance is going down. So you take one card, any new charges go on that one card, and then you continue to do the pay down every, you know, every month extra on the existing balances. Yep. But if you do that, make sure that on the card that you're using for your expenses that you pay it off every month because you don't want to get back into having additional credit card debt. Mm -hmm. You know, I I suggest to people sometimes that they go in and pay those those cards off, the one that they're putting any new charges on, on a weekly or biweekly basis. Yeah, that's a great way if you can do that. It just allows, you know, your bank account matches your spending in that scenario. So if you go in every time, like let's say you get paid every two weeks and you go in and you pay your credit card off every two weeks, what you go, what's going into your account is coming out, you know, it's, it's just, it's matching your expenses more real time. Cause I understand why people don't like to use debit cards. I've never been a big fan of using debit cards because I'm always worried that's connected to my bank account. And I'm just worried with all the compromises that happen. Yes, I might get my money back, but geez, I don't I don't want checks to bounce or things to happen simply because my card was compromised. So I'm not a huge fan of using... I like the idea of it. I just don't particularly... Um, that's why I, I don't like the feel that that gives me. That's why I like to go in and pay things off on a biweekly basis is because I feel like it's more real time in that situation. Yeah. And the way you do that really does match up a lot to debit card. Mm-hmm. Any other suggestions or ideas? Yeah. If you have multiple cards, another option is to do some kind of balance transfer or consolidation. Um, sometimes you can find 0% interest for 12 or 18 months. Mm -hmm. And occasionally you can even find a 0% balance transfer promo. And so if you can find something like that, then that's a great way to pay less interest over time and also, you know, consolidate to that one card. So it's less to manage. So when you do that consolidation, does that close the other cards? Like, or are you just su- suggesting that you do a balance transfer so that you have a larger, um, uh, I guess I want to say like lower utilization ratio for credit score purposes? Yeah, the balance transfer, you know, you keep your existing cards open, but the key is not to use those and rack up the credit card balance again. Mm-hmm. Um, but by keeping them open, you know, you do keep your credit history. Mm-hmm. And then you, as you mentioned, you also get the larger credit utilization. Mm-hmm. So for those that don't know what that is, credit util- a big part of your credit score is actually credit card utilization. So if you have a, a credit card that has a $10,000 balance and you're using 100% of that, your utilization is 100 that doesn't do great things for your credit score. However, if your utilization is 30% of less, both on an individual credit card as well as across the board, like they're two, they look at it two different ways, that actually improves your credit score. So sometimes when people are trying to increase their credit score, as crazy as it sounds, we'll say raise your credit card limit. Don't use the increased credit card limit, 
but just raise your credit card limit. That will help you. And the consolidation is sort of a forced snowball, right? I mean, that's basically what you're doing when you consolidate a lot of times. Yeah, that's a great point. Okay. So student loans, credit cards, buying a car, building an emergency fund, saving for retirement. In your mind, Becky, if we had to, if you could only pick one, um, and, and I'm going to caveat that, I would say one beyond your employer match, because I always think that you should take advantage of your employer match. But if you could only pick one, what would you suggest? That's a really tough question, but mm-hmm. I would suggest saving for retirement mm-hmm. because those funds are available. You know, there are some like exceptions where you can get at the funds if you absolutely need to. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you've you may have heard the saying, "Pay yourself first. Mm-hmm. And by saving for retirement, you're doing exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the other, for me, like I agree with you hundred percent, save, make sure you get that match, make sure you save for retirement because, you know, statistics have showed over and over and over again, and there's charts and graphs and all that stuff that's out there that says the earlier you start saving, the less you'll have to save over time out of your pocket. The second thing that I always suggest to people, and because a lot of people say, oh, I want to get debt paid down. I'll say, absolutely. I want you to get debt paid down too. But before we hook on to that, let's at least get $1,000 set aside in an emergency fund. Like, Let's get that taken care of. Because if you don't have some sort of emergency fund, what's that going to end up doing? Putting you in more debt. So I think if you had to put, like if I was saying to somebody, put it in this order, it would be take advantage of your employer, you know, save enough in your 401k or employer plan to get your match, build at least a thousand dollar emergency fund. Eventually we'd love to say three to six months or even up to a year. But if if you're asking for my order, like a thousand dollars in the emergency fund in a minimum, and then, you know, get that debt uh, plan in place. Because if you were, if you're able to get that debt down and you have an emergency fund within a few years, you're going to be able to turn around and put more in the emergency fund again, more in the retirement, the way that we suggested in that, you know, three tier level. Um, But if you have something come up between, you know, that debt being paid down and you don't have some emergency funds to sort of help or, or cushion you a little bit you're right back to where you were before. So that would be my recommended order. Any um, any other ideas or tips or suggestions that you would give to anybody who's you know struggling with this at all? And, and oh, by the way, sorry, before I let you answer that question, I've also suggested to people that they take, the, they have like a little side hustle. So sometimes coming right out of college, if you really are super motivated to get the debt paid off, there's nothing wrong with having a weekend job for a short period of time. That can get things paid off even quicker. I realize that you want to be out having fun sometimes and absolutely, but that's where you have to say, is debt a priority or is you know taking a little bit longer to pay off that debt, but me having my weekends a priority? So I'm not suggesting that you should do it one way or another. I'm just saying that that's an option. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, you did it. Yeah. You you did that. When you first started working for us, you were working part-time on the weekends, uh, supplementing your income to, to save for some of those goals that you had. Yeah. It's a really great way to get on your feet. And you're also a little bit busier, so you're not out spending the money on the weekends, <laughs> which for me, I was like, that was a double win. 
I love it, Becky. Well, hopefully we've provided you with some ideas on how, you know, when you first come out of college, there's some great ways that you can set those competing priorities forward. Uh, hopefully giving you some tips on on some of that. Anything else you'd like to share before we close for, for this podcast? Um, one final piece is when you're looking at paying down debt or saving, look at your interest rates. Because sometimes you have interest rates that are 0% for a promo or you know under 5%. Look at that compared to what you could earn in, you know over time in the stock market. Good point. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. Well, we hope everybody has enjoyed this show uh, today and we hope that you've walked away with some good tips. We'll have some things in the show notes on some of the terms that we mentioned to you like snowball and avalanche and you know, all the match and 401k, all those good words that are out there that we use like, you know, everyday English that, you know, we forget sometimes this jargon. Uh, If you have any questions or if this is a priority and you want to meet with one of our financial planners, definitely go out to our website and schedule a discovery call. We'd love to chat with you about it. Becky and our team is one of the most awesome individuals I can think of to, uh, to help you with some of these things. And We hope that you share this with your friends and your family and certainly like us and rate us on iTunes so that more people find this show and find the helpful information that we hope we're putting out there. We hope everybody has a great day and you are walking through your vineyard of life with peace and joy. Thanks, everyone. And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dine. You can contact Amy through the website, www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at rootedpg for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.